Welcome back to Two Keto Dudes. This is Carl Franklin from Connecticut in the United States. And in February 2016, I put myself on a ketogenic diet to take control of my metabolism. In just two and a half months, I managed to reverse all my markers of type 2 diabetes with diet alone. As of now, I'm 80 pounds lighter with no signs of diabetes or heart disease. Hi, I'm Richard Morris in Canberra, Australia. I've been on a ketogenic diet since April 2014. And when I started, I was very sick with complications from type 2 diabetes. Within six months of starting a ketogenic diet, all of my biomarkers of disease had disappeared. I've lost about 100 pounds. I've completely turned my health around. And I'm Carrie Brown. <laughs> Hi, Carrie. Hi, Carrie. Welcome to the show. Yes. And this show is a document of our experiences thriving for years in nutritional ketosis. And, in my case, reversing bipolar 2 disorder. And for me, it was type 2 diabetes. And me too. And hopefully that might help a few people who are curious about this kind of dietary hacking. Yeah, we're not doctors. We don't want to give any medical advice, but we are keen to share our own experiences. We're actually both software developers, so we're not afraid of a little technical detail, are we, Carl? Uh, not me. <laughs> and I'm not a software developer at all, but I am a awesome recipe developer. And a former Microsoft employee, so that counts. So I get to join the club? Yes. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> By proxy software developer. Yes. We have done some research into our own deranged metabolisms and the science behind them, and we've shared studies that we've found in the show notes. You'll probably work out pretty quickly that we're all foodies. Yeah. Yay, food! We love to cook and we love to eat. Yeah. In every episode, we all share recipes. Well, it's complicated. <laughs> we share recipes. They're good. You should try them. You should. So let's start podcast number 149. Happy New Year. So, Richard, do we have any apologies or corrections from last week's show? Let's see. Last week was the holiday hangout. Yeah. Uh, number 148. Uh, we don't have any apologies or corrections at all from that show, nope. but everyone keeps asking me, do you, are you really leaving? Are you really leaving? Yeah. We're going to talk about that more on this show. But wait, wait, wait. We do have a correction. Okay. okay. We have to talk about the tomato sauce debacle. The tomato sauce debacle. Please explain, Carrie. Rayos. Oh, yeah. Rayos. Yes, that's right. I was uh, called to task for not pronouncing it correctly. It's Rayos. Not Rouse? Not Rouse. Oh, okay. All right. Now that we got that out of the way, <laughs> let's revisit what a ketogenic diet is, Richard. Sure, that's a diet that puts you into a state of ketosis where you're burning fat for energy rather than glucose. And one easy way of doing that is by just not eating much sugar or starch. Uh, we did that by eating 20 grams or less of carbohydrates every day. Yep. What are carbs, you say? Well, I mean, carbs are bread, rice, flour, sugar, starch. Yep. These are all things that are carbohydrates. Uh, but there are, th there are foods that, that are good to eat, such as spinach and eggs and cream, that have trace amounts of carbohydrates in. You add all of those up during the day. If they're less than 20 grams, then you can stay in a state of ketosis. As for protein, our protein's moderate. Yeah. We don't get energy from protein. Uh, we use between one and, one and a half grams per kilogram of lean mass per day. For me, it's roughly 80 to 120 grams of protein a day. Mm -hmm. uh, my protein is being used to develop my body. Um, and to build structures for. Yep. Uh, I get all of my energy from fat. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if you're just starting, listen to our starting keto show at start.2keto.com. Yes. Uh, well, Richard, how was your week? 
Do you have a good one? Uh, I'll get sunburned. Badly sunburned. <laughs> oh, no. Picking coconuts. Yeah, I, I was foraging for coconuts, actually, um, and got some fresh coconuts, um, peeled them. They're actually really quite difficult to peel um, <laughs> as, a, <laughs> as a fruit. Um, and then once you get them peeled, you've got to, of course, crack the seed to get the coconut flesh out. But yeah, yeah fresh coconut is delicious. I went to visit my family who were on Stradbroke Island, which is a sand island off the coast of Australia. And it's sort of a little bit north of the Gold Coast. It's sort of the the sea dunes or the sand dunes of the Gold Coast sort of Mm. keep going out into the ocean and become this island called Stradbroke Mm. Island. Um, And so, uh, yeah, of course, my mother said, here, you've got to put suntan cream on. Put a suntan cream on. Get your suntan cream on. And I'm like, no, I don't need suntan cream. I haven't had a sunburn since I went keto. Yeah, right. and after three days of going out in the sun, piling sun damage on sun damage on sun damage. Yeah, that's sun. A... Yeah, I got sunburn. <laughs> uh, but uh, other than that, yeah, I did. I, I actually rode because I, I had to catch a plane up from Canberra to Brisbane and then get from Brisbane Airport to the ferry, Straddy Ferry. Uh, and I took my bike up, uh, my mountain bike that I, I bought in Connecticut uh, a couple of years ago. And uh, that was awesome because I was able to basically get off the plane. I caught an Uber across the bridge to the other side of the river and then uh, and then rode about uh, 25k to the ferry and then uh, on the way back, uh, rode all the way back uh, as well, which is awesome, riding the hot sun um, awesome. while listening to the cricket. So, ah, cool. <laughs> so that was, uh, that was my week. How was your week, Carl? My week was pretty good. I um, solved a major mystery this week. Mm-hmm. I have had uh, high blood sugar and I had no idea why okay. for the last couple of weeks, wow. last couple of three weeks. And um, I got a continuous glucose monitor. I think I might have mentioned this on the last show. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a device that you have one of these. It's a Freestyle mm. Libre and it's a, a little device that has a, uh, I don't know, like a half an inch, three quarters of an inch long needle that's very thin. Mm. But you sort of just smack it onto your arm with a applicator. On the back of your arm, on the underside, right? Yeah, on the back of your arm. Mm-hmm. And it's got an adhesive, so it stays on there for 14 days, and it's continuously reading your glucose. And then you have this little uh, monitor that uses a near-field communication. You just sort of tap it or put it near the device on your arm, mm-hmm. and it reads all of the data points that it's collected of glucose since the last time you, you uh, read it. So it, this thing helped me discover that coffee was spiking my blood sugar. Really? Just plain black coffee? Yeah. Well, it was either the particular product I was drinking, because I did change up the actual coffee that I was drinking. Like, I got a new kind. Mm-hmm. So it might have either been that or the fact that I was drinking too much of it. And, you know, I would have five or six cups in the morning. Now it is half decaf, but yeah. that's that was my trick. So I could drink more coffee was, you know, half decaf. Uh, Maybe it was a little of both. But I noticed, get this, after consuming nothing but black coffee and water one day, around 3 p.m., my blood sugar was 150. Wow. And I was waking up with high blood sugar as well, like 120, Mm. 125. Basically, I all but stopped drinking coffee. And after three or four days, my blood sugar is solid as a rock back in the 90s. Wow, fascinating. Isn't it weird? Yeah, I don't know what the mechanism for that could be. I, I know Dave Feldman has uh, discovered uh, that um, a coffee drinking prior to uh, getting a lipid panel perturbs some of the lipid panel results. 
So, uh, but I, I don't know what the. I don't know either. There must be something else in that. It's, I, I doubt it's caffeine, although it could be. But it's probably something else in that coffee. It'd be interesting to see if you changed the brand. Well, uh, I did. I did another experiment. I yeah. had. A, I just went through Starbucks and I got a, um, you know, a venti uh, decaf americano, which is made from espresso, and they water mm-hmm. it down and just. And I had heavy cream. Yeah. And I monitored myself all day mm-hmm. and nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Interesting. So the filtered coffee, that filtered coffee that you're getting, it's somehow it's got a problem. Well, it's it's beans mm. that get ground in my uh, maker and then do the do the filter. Yes, but yeah, yeah. I think it's. I definitely think it's that. So uh, it's just very cool to have a, a diagnostic device like this that you can just yeah. anytime you're curious, you just sort of. Instant glucose. It's like a watch window, isn't it? Yeah. yeah yes. In software terms, we'd call it a watch window when you're watching a variable as the program that you've written runs, and you can see what it does. And sometimes what you think that variable is going to be doing is <laughs> different from what yeah. it actually does. Yeah. And that's just a big old hint that you know some somewhere something in your process is not working right. Right. So I would definitely recommend to people who uh, you know are are stuck or are sort of don't really know what's going on, want to know, mm. this uh, this device, you do have to get a prescription for it. Not in Australia. Well, you just have to go to the uh, the website for Abbott uh, um, and they will uh, – it's about 40 bucks for a, for a device that will last you 14 days. Wow. Um, yeah, and so, you know, if you're in Australia, you just uh, go to the Abbott site and, and order it online. You can't get it from pharmacists. I've tried multiple pharmacists. They just don't have mm. it. The device comes with an applicator, so you don't need anything else, yep. and it'll work with your cell phone. So, um, you know, you pretty much, uh, you know, as Carl says, you know, if you have a, a question about this, if you're in the states, get a get a script uh, prescription to get one from your doctor. If you're in Australia, just uh, go to the Abbott website and pick it up from there. Well, you know, speaking of cell phones, and and I I don't want to spend too much more time on this, but because mm. we have a lot to talk about, but um, you have the same cell phone that I do, and it doesn't work with my cell phone. Wow! I don't know what app you're using. Okay. Hmm. But maybe we can sync offline, and you can share the the app that you're using, and we can try it. There is something yeah. about the Australian app uh, that will work uh, that works with it, and uh, I think on a US cell phone it doesn't work. I think that's right. I think you need to mm. have a, speci- a specific cell phone, and this Android app doesn't work in the U.S. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Mm-hmm. The other thing I need to announce is that we have changed up our Patreon uh, rewards. Okay. So we're still offering the forum badge for $5 or more a month, mm-hmm. um, but the $20 a month uh, reward is access to an exclusive Facebook group. Okay. Great. Good idea. Yeah. People have been asking us for a Facebook group for a long time. So, um, that's right. You know, so that's a good idea. Yeah. The $50 tier is an interesting thing. I'm going to start here. Uh, cook along with Carl. Mm. You get to bring your laptop into the kitchen and cook a meal with me on a Sunday afternoon. And so what I will do is, is share the, the recipe and the ingredients earlier in the week in a free video. Right. Which we'll also use to promote, you know, mm-hmm. the Patreon page. Yeah. And then, um, you know, you do whatever prep work needs to be done. We all meet on on a video conference on Zoom or something like that. And we cook together. 
That's a good idea. So you can actually, uh, over the video, have a look at what somebody's got in their pot and you can give them tips on whether it's ready to go to the next step or needs more work. Right. Assuming that we have a platform that can support all of the people that want to um, sure. you know, be on video, right? Mm-hmm. Good. The next tier is we added a tier of $400 or more per month tier, which is a retreat at my house. Okay. And I got this idea from Miss Carrie Brown, because she offers this on her Patreon page as well. Yoo-hoo! Right? <laughs> and uh, basically, twice a year, you and your partner, a couple, get to hang out with me at my home in Connecticut for a weekend, Friday through Sunday. And uh, that's that's uh, just a, a sort of added tier that we've nice. done there. Cool. As you probably heard in the bumper, I had scheduled a retreat for uh, mid-January. At my house. Nobody's really taken me up on that. So I think I'm going to just take that down. I I find that the first of the year is a bad time to, you know, for short planning of getaway weekends. So yeah, true enough. <laughs> Summer's better for that kind of thing, I would think. Summer's much better. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the last thing is has to do with Miss Brown. Mm-hmm. I have been introduced to two new varieties of cheese and Carrie has been introduced to a new store, Fromage. Fromage at Old Saybrook. And uh, it was a terrible experience, right, Carrie? It, it, it was. And, and so I get there at the required time because I'm a timely girl, well, I like to be. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I get there and I open the door and I was immediately like, oh, this is going to be terrible. And if you've ever been to the store, you'll know why. So anyway, I walk in and I'm there about five minutes and I get a text from Mr. Franklin saying, I'm running late, long story. I'm just leaving Groton, which is, you know, at least half an hour away. Are you going to need to pronounce that, Kerry? It's Groton. <laughs> Groton. Just, just imagine, imagine it being pronounced with an Australian accent. It's Groton. I've forgotten all my Australian. Um, and, and, and so my response was, uh, yeah, this shop is so boring. And Richard, you've been there, so you know, right, that it's just like this. It's like it's like being in a in a European delicatessen without buying a plane ticket. Exactly. It's just so there was it's exactly all yeah. of my favorite French brands, all the English stuff, all the. It's just mm-hmm. this amazing store, and it goes on forever. It's like a TARDIS. It looks mm. really small from the outside. <laughs> you open the door, and you kind of in this this world that just goes on forever. So I was not actually in the slightest bit disappointed that that Mr. Franklin abandoned me there for forty minutes before he <laughs> arrived, and and then I uh, and about a hundred uh, varieties of cheese, right? Right, and then and then I text him and said, um, "Also, I am cursing you right now. One, because you told me this store existed, and two, because you didn't tell me this store existed sooner." Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, so I mean, this the the cheese experience in uh, in America always for me has been um, has been limited to to what you can get in the supermarkets. Yeah. I'd never actually had the opportunity, other than like when I lived in New York, there were obviously delis that will do, you know, uh, sliced cheese, but it's, it's it's you know, that is a real fromagerie. Yep. That place, fromage, is, you know, it, it, it it's like a French cheese shop. Yep. And for those who are interested, it's in Old Saybrook, Connecticut. So I introduced Mr. Franklin to one of my favorite cheeses, which is uh, Double Gloucester. Oh, yeah. Mm. It's naturally orange in color, 
and uh, it has onions and chives in it. Mm-hmm. And I, I persuaded Mr. Franklin that he needed to do a taste test there in the store, and he promptly bought an entire lump of it as a result of that taste test. <laughs> it is absolutely one of my favorites. I absolutely love it. I think you were planning to put it on burgers. Yeah, that's right. That's what it, it sort of has a cheddary flavor with the onion and chive, so perfect for burgers. But then she said, "Oh, if you like onions, you should try the Winsleydale because it's got uh, it, it's a brown cheese. It doesn't look all that appetizing, but it's got caramelized onions in it, and that's what gives it that brown look. <laughs> and uh, man, yeah, that didn't no. last long." <laughs> Wensleydale Wensleydale is is also one of those cheeses that one of the things I like to do at the holidays is I'll do Wensleydale with like cranberries in it or blueberries or or you know a fruit. Mm. That's one mm. of my little holiday treats is is Wensleydale with with bits of fruit in. Awesome. I, I've got to admit, I'm a bit of a purist when it comes to cheese. I don't like non-cheese things to be in it, like cheese with walnuts and cheese. But I make an exception for truffles. Oh, got some of that too. Yeah, just slice open a brie and put slices, thin slices of truffles in, put it back together again and uh, leave it in a cheese cave just so that it's long enough to be able to grow the white mold around the bits that you cut off mm. and uh, that, and give that baby a couple of uh, weeks to mature and then oh, truffle flavour <laughs> emanating throughout the, throughout the brie. That's, uh, that's just pure heaven right there. That's wonderful. Mm. Yeah. Hey, Carrie, I need to ask you, how was your week? Well, my week was um, strangely enough. It was. It, it seemed to be filled with Franklins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not sure what that was about, but anyway. So no, it was a great week. Um, one of the highlights was definitely the trip to the to the cheese shop with you yesterday. Yeah. And uh, and then we went to a very nice uh, in-house coffee roasting place yesterday and had a chat mm-hmm. over a cup of coffee, which did not spike your blood sugar. So that was cool. Yep, it did. Um, we had Christmas, and I spent part of Christmas Day with the Franklins. That's um, right. There's a theme here. <laughs> I got to mention this because this was the first year that we didn't have kids in the house on Christmas morning. Right. Well, you know, we wanted to be around people, so we invited a few friends over, including Miss Brown, and it was nice. It was nice. I um I rolled up late. Um. And uh, but Carl made these um, amazing cheese crackers, and he, he sautéed up some bits of steak and sausage, and but and we just had nibbles. We nibbled yeah. and laughed a lot. There was a lot of laughing. There was a lot of laughing. <laughs> All right, well, let's give away some swag. And before we get going with this, I just got to say that this is the last time we'll be giving away the treasure trove of stuff in every show, but we encourage you to go to fanclub.2keto.com to see the products we like, and also shop for keto products and books on Amazon at amazon.2keto.com, and at the same time, your purchase helps us do what we do. So this week, we picked a lucky winner at random from the members of the Two Keto Dudes fan club. Right. And we're giving away a treasure trove of stuff from vendors we like, all of which you can find, as I said before, at fanclub.2keto.com. We also need to mention a caveat. Most of our vendors can only ship inside the United States. Right. But if we happen to pick someone outside the U.S., we'll find something to send you, but probably not the whole treasure trove. So who's our winner this week? Today's winner is Buzz Foster. Yo, Buzz. 
Congratulations, Buzz. Let's tell everybody what Buzz has won. The first thing we're giving away is a two keto dudes coffee mug that says keep calm and keto on. That's good advice. We're also giving away a signed copy of Lies My Doctor Told Me by Dr. Ken Berry online at lies.twoketo.com. And a bottle of Stevia Sweet Barbecue Sauce developed by a barbecue restaurant owner who plans to change the restaurant industry forever. Only two carbs per serving online at steviasweetbbq.com. And a cheese making kit from Wine and Way. Pam Zorn gave everybody at Keto Fest a kit so they could make their own fresh mozzarella. That's online at wineandway.com. W I N E A N D W H E Y.com. And a six ounce cup of beef bone broth concentrate from Birthright Nutrition. Just add water, heat, stir, sip, and enjoy. Jam packed with good stuff. More at birthrightnutrition.com. We're also giving away a bottle of Remag Magnesium Solution developed by Dr. Carolyn Dean along with a copy of her protocol and the Keto and Magnesium Manifesto online at magmiracle.com. We're also giving away a big bottle of Fasting Drops from Keto Chow. It's a well-formulated blend of electrolytes. Just drop a little in your water and fasting will be a breeze. Online at fastingdrops.2keto.com. And two bottles of Sated, one chocolate, one vanilla, online at sated.2keto.com. Finally, a bag of everything bagels from Fox Hill Kitchens, made with yeast but no wheat or gluten, online at bread.2keto.com. And if you don't want to wait to win some swag, you can buy all sorts of it online at gear.2keto.com. Okay, then, that brings us to a little point in the show where we're going to read some, um... Mail! Mail! We're just a <laughs> you weren't ready for that, were you? <laughs> no. Made me jump out of my seat. What you got, Carl? All right. Well, this is uh, from Connie Ortiz from the great big public before and after thread on the ketogenic forums uh, at success.2keto.com. And this is from October. Mm-hmm. Connie says, hard to believe that today is my one-year ketoversary. My story is the same as so many others. I spent my entire life fighting my weight. Always the biggest kid in any group. I was the smart one. My sister was the cute one. I tried darn near every diet known to man. I avoided weight loss surgery, but only because of financial reasons. Somehow I managed to avoid type 2 diabetes, but I'm sure that would have changed given time. Yeah. My blood sugar was creeping up. My triglycerides were high. HDL was low. VLDL was high. Desperation led me to keto. I love biology, so researching the how and why weren't a struggle. Implementation was just mind over matter. The first couple of weeks were the toughest, but about three weeks in, I noticed that it wasn't a struggle anymore, that my cravings were gone, and it's been pretty easy to stay on since. Especially when I think about all I've experienced, especially considering that I have no gallbladder, a victim of my attempt at low-fat dieting, and two-thirds of my thyroid is gone. So uh, I'm down 96 pounds, Wow! six jean sizes, five shirt sizes. I haven't been sick in a year. No colds, no flu, no gastric distress, no heartburn. My hair and nails are healthier than they've been in years. My blood sugars are solidly in the normal range. Nice. My trigs are a third of what they were. Mm-hmm. My HDL is higher, LDL much lower. My doctor is fully in support of my diet and has asked me to speak to more than one of his patients. That's awesome. That's so awesome. Mm. What do you think about what she said uh, 
uh, her she has no gallbladder, which was a victim of her attempt at low fat dieting. Yeah, well, so the gallbladder is used to batch up bile, uh, which we excrete from our livers, and it coats the inside lining of our gut, and we use it to emulsify fats. Uh, it's basically to make them so that we can uh, absorb them across our gut wall. And then at the end of the gut, basically, the, the that bile goes out, and that bile is what makes feces brown. The reason that we have bile duct in the first place is because uh, we want to be able to batch the bile uh, and hold on to it until we have a, a meal of fatty food and then release it all at once. And of course, what mm. happens is if you go on a low-fat diet for too long, your bile duct becomes, you, you literally do not use it. And so you end up having bile in the inside wall of the, the bile duct that never gets it squirted out into the into the gut. Hmm. And essentially it gets dry and crusty and becomes stone-like and, and then it can basically obstruct the duct that leads from the bile, from the gallbladder into the gut. And so, uh, and that's quite painful. And, you know, when, when your bile duct is obstructed, you pretty much have to have the gallbladder removed. It's not going to stop you from eating fats afterwards. It just right. means that you're not going to be able to eat a really large meal of fat um, because you'll have some distress. So I guess what you're saying is if human beings don't eat fat, dysfunction occurs. <laughs> That's exactly what happens. You, you know, you really need to be using your bile duct uh, most of your life to, for it to be in good function. And, you know, if you go on a low-fat diet, um, you're going to be uh, shortchanging the fitness of your gallbladder. Yeah. So, yeah, that's exactly what happens. So it's 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 kind of sad. One thing I do want to mention, she mentioned that her triglycerides are a third of what they used to be. This is the fat that is basically in circulation in our body uh, because we're not using it. Yeah. And one of the problems that happens, uh, we think of this ketogenic diet as fixing your appetite and making you eat less, and that's why you lose weight. That's actually not how it works. The way the ketogenic diet works is it, it lowers your insulin. This is, insulin is a hormone that controls a whole bunch of things. But one of the things it does is it's in, a high in, level of insulin in your blood stops your cells from using fat for energy. And what happens? All of that fat pulls in your circulation and it basically it's circulated from your from your body fat to your liver and back again so it's mm. basically being juggled in your circulation the whole time because you're not using it as soon as your insulin drops because you don't eat sugar or starch now you're able to actually use fat for energy mm. the levels in your blood dropped to a third of what they were i mean mine were uh, my triglycerides at my worst were 1111 milligrams per deciliter Crazy. 10 grams of fat in every liter of my blood. I have about five liters of, f of blood in my entire body. So that was what, 50, 50 grams of fat, you know, right. running around in my body because I couldn't yep. use it because my cells weren't buying the fat. They were mm. uh, basically just, they were locked in a state where they could only burn glucose. And that's really what a ketogenic diet does. It drops your insulin so much so that you're actually able to burn more en energy from body fat. Thanks for that explanation, Richard. Mm -hmm. Do you have a, a mail for this week? Yes, I do. Now, I, you probably, if you're a Facebook friend of mine, you probably saw that I posted a picture of my meat on Facebook. And uh, this, <laughs> is, <laughs> this is a piece of Master Kobe marbling nine plus Wagyu New York steak. It's a New York strip and... This, you've seen this, haven't you? It looks like meat-flavored fat. 
That's what <laughs> it, that. It, so okay, the um, the USDA has a database of uh, of foods. You can basically go to the USDA database and and say, give me the the nutritional information for one of these steaks, and it will tell you <laughs> that steak is about six percent protein. Wow. <laughs> I mean, most steak is like 30, 30% protein, 30% water, and 30% fat. This is like 6% protein, 63% <laughs> fat. And uh, the majority of the fat is actually monounsaturated fat. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. It, it is just – I mean, this this animal has just been – well, it's not actually a very healthy animal. No. It's not a healthy cow. It's not going to be able to run away from a predator. But um, somebody, somebody posted um, – a comment in my thread and said, this is from Kim, who said, is it grass-fed? I thought meat could only obtain such high marbling when it's grain-fed. No criticism. I just really wanted to know. And, you know, it is, it's fed grains. Uh, mm-hmm. The myth goes that Kobe beef, so so Wagyu basically means Japanese cow. It's a, a literal translation of the term. Okay. Now, in uh, and so there are Wagyu, there are Japanese breeds in Australia. So when you buy Wagyu from Australia, this is the Japanese breed of cow, which is a, right. a highly marbled cow. Kobe is actually descended from one of 12 sires that are particularly highly marbled. There's 12 bulls that uh, artificially inseminate cows, you know, uh, right across the uh, the, the region uh, that make this Kobe beef. And only in Japan, right? Uh, well, actually, it's also made in other countries now, and uh, Australia is able to get some of access to some okay. of that uh, uh, some of that semen. And so uh, we are actually producing Kobe style. We call them Master Kobe. Essentially, it's MB9+. plus. MB is a marbling level, and most, most steaks uh, that you buy in the store are one to three levels of marbling. Mm. Um, if you were to buy a Wagyu, Australian Wagyu steak, it's likely a marbling level of five. Okay. This is a marbling level of nine plus. Nine is the highest that the scale goes to. Oh, <laughs> so wow. This is like, this is <laughs> off the hook <laughs> marbling. Nice. So anyway, the, the myth goes that uh, these animals are fed uh, grains and beer. Right. <laughs> and uh, they, they don't drink any water. They only drink beer. And they get massaged by human attendants with uh, the hay made from the stalks of the grains. So, um, you know, I, mm. I, I personally, I suspect that they're fed something very similar to dry muesli, sort of oats, sorghum and molasses. Um, to be able to get uh, that kind of uh, marbling. And they don't do a lot of exercise. You know, both humans and cows get well marbled when they eat grains. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. this, it, this is not a healthy cow, but it is, however, a delicious one. And it's converted food that we shouldn't eat into food that we probably could. And so, uh, yes, you know, a just, wonderful miracle. Yeah. I, 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 on the subject of uh, omega 3s, I mean, a lot of people say, you know, I want to eat grass fed. Uh, steak because it has a higher omega three ratio uh, than um, than grain fed steak, and that that is entirely true. Um, however, it, even beef fed on uh, grass all of its life has uh, three times more omega six than omega three. So you know, right? It, it doesn't matter how well you treat your beef, you're still getting more omega six than you are getting omega three. So it's perverting your omega six omega three balance towards uh, omega-6, which is obviously more inflammation rather than less inflammation. If you want to um, have a higher omega-3 ratio, you should eat more food that, uh, for example, eat salmon, uh, fish, you want to eat uh, maybe cod liver oil, 
Um, you maybe eat things, fish that live directly on algae, because most of the uh, omega three oils are actually created by algae. So, um, mm. you know, that's the trick there. But anyway, this beef is going to be delicious, and my recipe today is what I plan to do with it. Ah, <laughs> awesome, mm. awesome. Yeah, so that's my mail. All right, cool. Well, that looks really great, and uh, it's priced accordingly. That one steak is ninety five. Uh, Australian dollars. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's about that's about seventy five US dollars. So yeah, it's not yep. cheap. All right. Well, now let's get to the meat of the show mm-hmm. here. <laughs> Pun intended. Uh, welcome to the family, Carrie Brown. Mm, welcome, Carrie. Happy New Year. Thank you. It's good to be here. It's weird to be here, but it's good. <laughs> it's a little weird. Now, not all the shows from here on are going to be like this. It's going to be me and Carrie, and uh, Richard has taken a hiatus, as mm-hmm. you know, and uh, he's got to focus on his schoolwork. I do. He's going to be back once a, once a month to uh, drop some more science on us and tell us mm-hmm. what he's been up to. Sure. But we asked our listeners in the Holiday Hangout show to go to suggest.2keto.com to suggest... Well, give us their suggestions about what we should do with the new podcast with with myself and Carrie. And we got some interesting answers. We got over 200 responses as of now. Wow. And we asked people, what do you want to keep of the current format? Interestingly enough, the intro was the least popular. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> doesn't surprise me either. And it's probably about time we shorten up the intro. I Do you agree with that, Carrie? Yep. All right. Um, corrections and apologies, how was your week, and recipes all got about the same amount of thumbs up, and uh, which was pretty high. Mail got a little bit higher. People like to hear what other people are talking about. And the most popular thing that they wanted to keep, of course, was the interview or topic of the day. In other words, what we're doing now, the meat of the, of the show, if you will. And we asked for some potential ideas for future shows. And almost by a factor of two, guests from medical community was the most popular thing that people want to uh, hear on the show. And we realized that most of the people that responded to this poll are current listeners who are very sciencey. But Carrie put it out to her group on Facebook or her multiple groups. And what was the response from your groups, Carrie? Food! <laughs> recipes! We want recipes! We want, we want deep dives on ingredients. We want to hear the science on, on the food things um, as opposed to the body things. And we want to learn how to cook better and we want to learn how to make keto delicious. But we do also want the doctors. Right. So it was actually it was a it was kind of a flip flop of of the the and we it, actually Carl and I discussed this before and said I bet that Carrie's crowd are going to want all the food and and Carl and Richard's crowd are going to want all the 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 science and that's exactly what happened so and that's exactly what we're going to deliver yeah I think our our lot like the recipes as well I mean we one of the reasons that we got into this in the first place is because we were convinced that being able to cook for yourself was the magic weapon for keto. And so, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. If you're going to be doing keto, you need to understand how food is made. Yeah, and that brings us to our mission statements. And Carrie and I both decided to come up with mission statements for 
what we want to bring to the community, right? Mm-hmm. And my mission is, uh, you know, it's it's one of the missions that I have in Two Keto Dudes. But just to clarify it a little bit is exactly what Richard just said, which is to encourage type 2 diabetics to learn how to cook for themselves and then teach their families and friends mm-hmm. and and especially their their youngins teach your youngins how to cook it's so important so that is my mission statement i think that as richard said the way for people to take control over their their bodies and you know the physiology of what's going on to succeed at keto you really need to know how to cook and uh, it doesn't have to be complicated. And Carrie, what is your mission? So my, I, I kind of have two. Uh, my one big goal is to prove to the world that keto food can taste better, more delicious than the the previous any previous diet or way of eating you've been on. Um, Amen. So that nobody <laughs> is ever going to think that they have to give things up or they're somehow going to be deprived. So that's my kind of one of my main goals in life. Oh, and also not just that it will taste delicious, but that it's also easy and simple. If you have a great recipe, it's easy and simple to create delicious keto food at home in your kitchen. Um, And then of course, my other, my, my, my other mission in life is to help people to address their mental health issues via diet and uh, supplementation where necessary, as opposed to pharmaceuticals and talk therapy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're here for that too. And because I mean, you know, we're certainly in America and and probably globally, we, we are in the grips of this massive mental health crisis and um, and nothing really is being done about it. Well, there's lots happening, but it's it's keeping the status quo rather than actually getting people better or off their meds or out of jail or you know wherever their mental health crisis leads them. So I really really want to spread the word that that mental health starts in the gut. And food should be our first line of defense. That's that's a that's a great mission statement. So I really feel like we're we're expanding the message here to to go beyond type two diabetes and obesity, which Richard and I were focused on, to get in more into the science of cooking and more into the um, non scale victories or the uh, of of using a ketogenic diet. Um, we're going to talk about all the things that uh, that you'd expect. We're going to talk about food. We're going to talk about mental health. We're going to talk about cancer. We're going to talk about Alzheimer's. We're going to talk about uh, fasting and infections and all of the kinds of things like that. And hopefully, we'll we'll find people in the community to continuously bring us these stories of how they've healed themselves from various illnesses with a ketogenic diet. One of my fears is that uh, how, however good keto is proving to be for so many people in terms of weight loss, my fear is that, that people who don't know about the depth and breadth of what keto can afford us in terms of health benefits, my fear is that the, that the message 
is going to get lost in the weight loss story. Yes. And I think that would be a tragedy. And I think it's already started to get lost, Carrie. The, the keto is becoming mainstream, and 2019 is the year where you're going to see it plastered all over magazines, and uh, you know everybody's going to want to jump on the keto bandwagon, and they're getting it wrong. I don't want people with mental health issues to see the word keto and think, oh, that's for weight loss. That's not something I need to look at. Agree. I, I that that's my fear, and so that's why I think it's awesome that while we'll we'll obviously still talk about weight loss because you know for you and Richard it's been just a massive massive win, and for so many people it is. But I don't want that to overshadow all the amazing health benefits that keto can bring. It's, and for me, especially in the area of mental health. Actually, Carrie, I I would actually give up. All 100 pounds that I lost gladly, as long as I could keep 10 toes. I totally agree. You know, so the weight loss was never an issue for me. It's just that some people who are diabetic uh, are also overweight. And when they fix up the dysregulation that is caused by being hyperinsulinemic um, and then also eating high carbohydrate foods, uh, when they get rid of that dysregulation their new homeostasis takes in my case my homeostasis took me from 150 kilograms down to 103 kilograms but that was incidental to the fact that my glucose was in control my appetite was not driving me hyperphagic and I was in control of my life and so many of my health benefits uh, that came from that were not actually because I lost weight but because my body had reached a new homeostasis the other thing is that people think that if keto is a diet and I got to 103 kilograms but I'm still in an overweight category, surely I want to be at least normal weight or underweight. And at this point, the only way that I can lose weight from now is to calorie restrict. Fast. Even worse, calorie restrict. I'd have to eat fewer calories every day than my than my homeostasis wants me to eat and I'd try and mm. prevent uh, muscle loss by doing weightlifting exercises the entire time. I'd have to, I'd have to basically work out two to three hours a day every day, plus eat less food than my body was telling me I needed to have to be able to lose weight to get down to the point uh, of looking like some of the anorexics who uh, who adorn our uh, keto groups on Facebook. And so mm. you know, I, I I I agree with Carrie. You know, I don't want. This I don't want weight loss to overwhelm the fact that what we're doing here is we're getting our bodies to to basically regulate to a new homeostasis. So anyway, that's that's my point of view. And not just that, Richard, but you know, diabetes, the state of your body is essentially rotting from the inside out. Yeah. It's like corrosion. It's like rust on a car. Mm. It's happening from the inside out. Your toes will drop off like your fender will drop off. <laughs> and heart disease. All these nasty things are happening on the inside, and yeah. that's what you've got to fix if you've got diabetes. Right. In Carrie's case, the brain was just starving for ketones, <laughs> right? And then the ketones just made that all these problems go away. And I think it's that age-old problem that people are attracted by what they see rather than what they don't see. So everyone's looking at keto for weight loss because that's what they see is happening. People who are looking at at keto 
people are are seeing the weight loss what they're not seeing is all the good things happening inside. So Richard, you know, they're not focused on you having 10 toes. They're focused on the the amount of air you displace, right? It's, you know, so it's, it's kind of it, it, that we still have that problem of we have to, to get people to understand that what's on the inside is so much more important than what's on the outside. Right. And um and, and so that's my fear for keto is that that everyone's so preoccupied with what's on the outside that they're they're you know not even coming to keto because they don't maybe they don't need to change the outside and they don't realize the benefits that keto has for the inside, particularly yeah. for the brain. Yeah. So that that's that's why I mean, I'm super excited. Our one of the things when I posted our poll in my Facebook group, um, it, it, it was everyone. It turned into this kind of tsunami of we want all the things, we want everything. We <laughs> yeah. don't just want food. We want the the doctors talking about the uh, the medical aspects. We want Richard talking his science. We want the recipes. <laughs> we want ingredients. We want we want the successor. We want everything. So that's what Carl and I are going to try and serve up. Yep, that's right. And it's going to be fun. You're going to learn a lot. You're also all going to have to learn to um, navigate my British humour. <laughs> Which is different from an Australian humour, and both are different from an American humour. So if you're used to something right. different from an Australian, you, stay tuned. We're, 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 we're taking a, a slight veer to the left now. <laughs> I think Carl, Carl's getting used to it a little bit. There was a few like we'll text or we'll be on Messenger, and I'll type something, and there'll be this silence. <laughs> there'll be this little gap, and then he'll go, "Oh." <laughs> So we're getting there. <laughs> well, uh, you, you guys uh, peckish? Feeling hungry? I'm a little bit hungry. Yeah, I think I think it's time for some uh, recipes. <laughs> Short and sweet. Mm -hmm. That was my, I'm not quite sure what just happened look. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I'll start uh, and we'll all three do a recipe today. Okay. So this is how I broke my three-day fast. I had a sous vide pork chop from RD86. And uh, talking to Chef Robert, this is his technique. Um, first of all, this was the most tender, delicious pork chop I've had, except for maybe the smoked pork chop at Daddy Jack's. So you're going to season a thick, fatty pork chop with olive oil, salt, and pepper. You're going to seal that in a vacuum bag. Or if you don't have a vacuum sealer, you can use the submerge in water method that Richard talked about on an earlier show. Richard, this uses the Archimedes principle, right? Yeah, that's right. So what you do is you, you put your food in a Ziploc bag and you get a pot of water that uh, the food can be drowned in. And you basically want to push the bag down. You want to keep the, 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 the lip of the bag uh, the open top of the bag above the water, and you want to push everything else down into the water. And what will happen is the 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 air will come out of the bag, and that's the point where you seal the bag. It's very simple. Yeah, and it works. It mm. works without a vacuum sealer. Yeah, you just have to make sure not to get water in the bag when yeah. you're sealing it. But that's you push it all the way to the end, and the pressure of the water pushes the air out. So. Mm -hmm. 
Um, then we use the uh, Anova Precision Cooker, which is now like another $100, I think. Yeah. And you want to keep that chop at 132 Fahrenheit for at least 48 hours. Hmm. Three days, maybe. Two mm-hmm. days, three days, whatever. Now, when you're ready to uh, finish this, you want to preheat the oven to 300 Fahrenheit and remove the chop and pat it with a paper towel until it's completely dry. And that's kind of important because if you put wet food in a, uh, in a hot pan with oil or fat, uh, you could have a grease fire. Like it's mm, not, yeah. not a good idea. Nah. So pat down the pork chop, season it with salt and pepper, and heat up a cast iron skillet on high for at least three minutes to get it smoking hot. Mm-hmm. And you want to drop two tablespoons or more of butter in the pan or olive oil, or you could slather mayo on the chop, just like Richard talked about with a steak. Mm-hmm. And you want to sear that for just two minutes on both sides. Actually, sear it for two minutes on the first side, flip it over, and then put it right in the oven for five minutes to bring the temperature up to medium. And remove that from the oven and the pan and allow it to rest on a room temperature plate. And in the skillet on the stove, you're going to deglaze that using the juice from the bag and add a little bit more butter, several sprigs of rosemary chopped up, and the juice from a half a lemon. And you want to basically whisk that together until it's thick mm-hmm. and uh, pour that over the chop and serve it with your favorite side dish, such as broiled Brussels sprouts with bacon, which is what they serve at RD86. And my friends, this is the most ten. You, you can cut it with a fork. Uh, it was unbelievable. If you don't have a sous vide, mm-hmm. you can, if you go to carrybrown.com and type in how to cook a pork chop, you can see how to cook a incredibly juicy pork chop just using a pan. If a sous vide is not in your kitchen yet or you don't have the budget for one, um, you can get a juicy pork chop another way. Okay, great. Richard, what you got for a recipe? Well, you remember I was talking about my meats that I put on a photo of my meat on Facebook? Yeah. Well, um, this is uh, Master Kobe MB9 Plus Wagyu New York steak. And I just bought one steak because obviously, you know, it's a $95 steak uh, raw. And I've been thinking about how I should cook this, and I want to get some opinions from Carl and Carrie, but I was initially thinking maybe I should sous vide the steak, and there's a lot of people, there's a Japanese technique where it's a steak is poached in butter. Yeah. And one of the problems here is that the fats in this steak, they almost go liquid at body temperature. Huh. <laughs> so the problem is that they're just going to all render out and end up in the butter. Right. Um, so I don't think I'm going to do that. I'm thinking I might just sear both sides of the steak uh, and then just uh, slice it and eat uh, and basically eat thin slices of this steak almost raw with the outside rare, yeah. just seared. So I'm thinking that's probably the best way to cook, but what do you guys reckon? I, I, I don't know about Carrie, but I would I would sear it and then I would maybe finish it in the oven just to do uh just to bring it up a little bit, but you do run the risk of overcooking it if you're not careful. I'm not sure. I don't I don't think it needs the sous vide treatment because it's already tender. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I, I run the risk of basically um rendering all the fat out of it. Right. Uh, there's 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 no connective tissue to, to 
turn into gelatin here. It's just, yep. it's essentially a little bit of protein surrounded with fat. Yeah, right. What do you think, Carrie? What What would you do to such a fatty piece of meat? I I have not played. I have a, actually a a follower mm-hmm. uh, sent me a sous vide, so I have one, mm-hmm. but it came just when I was moving to Connecticut, and I haven't broken it out yet. Ah. So I really need to. I'm going to reserve judgment until I've actually played with one. Mm. Um, um, a couple of my admins in my Facebook group just rave about the sous vide. Oh, so yeah. I'm going to have to bust mine open and have a fiddle and uh, and see what's, see what's cooking. Yeah. But up until this point, if, if I cook meat, it's it's typically – well, for a steak, it's a combination of the uh, frying pan and the oven. Yeah. So there's two schools of thought there. You, there. There's one school that says you cook it three three and a half minutes on one side, three and a half minutes on the other side, and then put it in the oven for three and a half minutes, and then take it out and put it on a stone on or on a on a board for three and a half minutes, and then cut into it. And then the other side, the other school of thought says, and this is Heston Blumenthal's in this school, is uh, he turns his all the time. Every 15 seconds, he turns it. Um, and uh, he doesn't even, I don't think he even puts it into the oven. He's just hes just cooking it in the fry pan. But because he's turning it all the time, he's able to uh, hmm. uh, to get the temperature regulated. Are you are you one of the three and a half minutes or whatever, four minutes? Uh, no, I'm a, I'm a big fan of turning. Okay. I have never heard about that technique. I'm yeah. going to have to use that. Right. I, I think normally, I mean, if this was a, a regular piece of steak, which is mostly mostly protein and less fat, yeah. I would be tempted to cook it in the sous vide for like 51, at 51 Celsius, which is going to, and for about two hours. And what that does medium is rare, that yeah. it's going to make the entire steak from edge to edge medium rare. So every single piece of that meat is medium rare. And also because it's in there for two hours, some of the collagen – uh, that is that it, that is in the connective tissue will be broken down into gelatin, and so it means that it becomes sort of what used to be sort of like sinew and 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 bits becomes unctuous, sort of gelatinous and delicious. Um, mm. And then and then I then I just sear the outside, and so you know I'd, I'd smear it with a bit of mayonnaise, and I'd put it on a on a on a, a really hot um, griddle pan for like a. a, a a uh, cast iron pan for a minute at max each side, and then yeah. that 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 would be that would be great for just you know, and then you just end up with like the outside millimeter is brown Maillard reaction, and then everything else is perfectly medium rare end to end. But um, yeah, I, I don't know this this steak intimidates me a little bit, so I think <laughs> I think <laughs> I think what I'm going to do is I'm just going to sear it and eat it raw. <laughs> I think that's how I, it. It just looks so good. <laughs> Why don't you try the the fifteen second technique? It's turning it every fifteen seconds. Yeah. Oh yeah, I don't know. And that is actually how you do it on a teppanyaki grill too. That's how the Japanese Kobe beef is done. Wow, too. there you go. So, um, but yeah, I, and or I could poach it in butter. That has been seen as a technique. Well, look, <laughs> I tell you what. <laughs> I'm going to go off and, and play with my meat and <laughs> I will report back to the show in a future episode. I think you should cut it in half and do two different ways. Oh, that's an idea. That's a good idea. Yeah, have an A-B test. <laughs> but we'll need before and after photographs of all the things. 
Are you sure you're not an engineer, Kerry? <laughs> <laughs> I think the after the after photo is going to be me patting my belly, going. Mm. <laughs> I'm a food engineer. <laughs> True enough. All right, Kerry, it's time for your recipe. What you got? Um, so I thought since we're still in the holidays, I thought we should do one last holiday recipe before the end of the year. So we're going to make sugar cookies. Yeah. And the, you can find this and Carl will put the link in the show notes so you can go look at it. Um, cause if you can take notes from my British fast speaking, then good on you. But most of you will probably just go to the blog to look at it. But um, there, I now I have to admit that that when I developed these, I'd never eaten a sugar cookie in my life, so I didn't really know exactly what I was aiming for. Um, but I am assured that these are exactly like traditional American sugar cookies. So um, you are gonna need. Sugar? Uh, <laughs> you're not going to need any sugar. Good. I'll so, just get a bit um, worried there. <laughs> but you're going to need uh, five ounces, and I'm not going to give the – yes, I will. I will because we've got – no, I won't. I'm not going to give the metric equivalents. They're all on the blog. You can see them. Mm -hmm. We're going to need five ounces of softened butter. We're going to need six ounces of – I do. You, I use xylitol, but you can also, in this case, use erythritol or allulose. Uh, that will work too. You're going to need two teaspoons of baking powder, one teaspoon of xanthan gum, a quarter of a teaspoon of sea salt, one teaspoon of vanilla extract, a tablespoon of almond milk, or you can substitute any nut milk of your choice, or you could even use a tablespoon of heavy cream if that's what you have. Mm -hmm. One egg, uh, eight ounces of almond flour, one ounce of coconut flour, and a tablespoon of my favorite keto cooking ingredient, which is con konjac flour, otherwise known as glucomannan powder. Yeah. You're going to put the, the softened butter, the sweetener, baking powder, xanthan gum, sea salt in a mixing bowl, and you're going to cream them all together. Uh, with a, a hand or a stand mixer until light and fluffy. Or if you feel like your arm needs a workout, you can do it with a wooden spoon. Um, <laughs> you're going to add the vanilla, the, the milk or cream, the egg, and mix well until completely combined. Then in a separate bowl, you're going to place the almond flour, the coconut flour, and the konjac, and you're going to mix them together well. The reason for that is that you particularly want the konjac flour to be evenly distributed throughout. If you yeah. mix, if you if you skip the mixing the dry things together part, you're mm. probably going to end up with lumps of konjac flour, and you don't want that. Yeah. So you do need to mix the dry ingredients together well. Then you're going to add half of those mixed flours into the butter mixture. Mm -hmm. and mix it in mm -hmm. and then you're going to add the the remaining half of the flour until it's completely incorporated into a dough you're going nice. to wrap the dough in plastic wrap or place in a ziploc bag and put in the fridge for a couple of hours to become firm when you take the dough out of the fridge you're going to roll it out to a quarter an eighth to a quarter of an inch thick um, using a little almond flour to stop it sticking to the work surface if necessary then you're going to use a cutter. These are these are cut biscuits, so sugar cookies are typically, you know, this is where you use your pretty Christmas cutters or round cutters. They're, they're mm. shaped using a cutter. Could, could you use like a madeleine tin? 
I haven't tried. Hmm. You mean like a small can, like a soup can or something? Well, the mandala- oh, yes, a yes, yes, yes. is a special shape of biscuit. Um, right. And there's a tray that's made with the indentation shaped like the mandala- Oh, right, biscuit. sure. Right. Sure. Hmm. <sighs> Why not? Right. Well, just because the 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 cooking time is going to be different because it's got sides. If you ah. if you roll it and cut them, but you, if you're actually putting it in a tin, you may have to vary the time and temperature. Right. If you hmm. use a Madeleine mm-hmm. tin. Yeah. Okay. Um. So you're going to roll it out. You're going to cut them out. You're going to place the cookies on a baking sheet one inch apart. You're going to bake them in the center of the oven at 350 Fahrenheit for 10 to 12 minutes Mm -hmm. until they're barely starting to brown just a little. Then you're going to remove them from the oven and you're going to leave them on the tray until the cookie. When they come out the oven, they're kind of soft. Mm. So leave them on the tray until they are firmed up enough to move without either breaking or getting misshapen. Yeah. And then once you've done that, use a flat spatula, move the cookies carefully onto a cooling track rack to cool completely. And these are better the next day. So if you can resist eating them, <laughs> put them in a tin. Put the or, or bake them just before you go to bed and then leave them to cool and leave them overnight. They are better. The texture improves um, nice. overnight. Great. So that's how to have your sugar-free sugar cookies. Mm-hmm. And um, we'll put a link in the show notes so that you can go make those. Fantastic. Well, uh, there's one more thing I want to mention, people, is that even though uh, Richard is uh, not going to be doing the weekly show with us, he's going to be back every month, and he's also going to try to make it to Keto Fest, assuming that we have a successful Kickstarter and all of that, which I'm pretty sure we will. Mm-hmm. But uh, so, you know, it's not goodbye. It's just nah. good luck with your studies and uh yeah, a couple of people asked me, you know, are you going to Keto Fest? And my school semester starts on the 22nd of July. Oh. <laughs> and Keto Fest finishes on the 21st of July. So I'm going to miss the first couple of days of school, but that's okay. Um, that's, per- you know, I'll, 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 I'll definitely be there. I won't hang around. I won't be able to hang around for very long afterwards, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah. no, that's, uh, I, I definitely plan to. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll come if, uh, if we have a Kickstarter. If we don't have a Kickstarter, obviously, uh, I won't. <laughs> So there you go. Definitely. All right. Well, good luck with your schools, Richard. And uh, thanks. Definitely come back and tell us what you've learned. And thank you. Thank you for the last 148, 48, 140, yeah. however many episodes of awesome. Thank you for for the legacy that you're you've given everybody and that you're leaving me. And I'm just I'm incredibly grateful for for everything you've done over the past nearly three years to just freely help people to get on a better path and be more healthful and enjoy more life and spend less money being sick. Yes. You're welcome. Of course, if you have anything you want to tell us, something we said wrong, something you don't agree with, some more research that you found to support or refute anything that we've said, send it by email to dudes at 2ketodudes.com or post it on our website. And you can follow us on Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at 2KetoDudes. And make sure to use the hashtag 2KetoDudes. And of course, if you want to join the free ketogenic forum, it's forum.2keto.com. 
and you can have a look around the Kiwi Training Forum without needing to create an account by starting with success.2kido.com. And if useless swag is your fancy, like t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other junk with witty keto sayings on them, head over to gear.2keto.com. And if you want a shot at getting some of that swag for free, join the 2 Keto Dudes fan club. You'll be eligible to win something in every show. Go to fanclub.2keto.com. And if you feel like supporting our forums and all the podcasts that we produce, think about making a monthly pledge on our Patreon page at patreon.2keto.com. You can also see all of our podcasts and other videos on YouTube at youtube.2keto.com. And if you haven't already, go leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That's how new people get to know about what we do. Two Keto Dudes is brought to you by Two Keto LLC, who strives to support the low-carb community with podcasts and other publications. My friends, keep calm and keto on. Yeah, keep calm and keto on, Carl. Keep calm and keto on, Carrie. Oh, do I have to keep calm and keto on? No, you don't, but you're welcome to. (laughs) You're welcome to if you like. I I can keto on. I'm not sure about the calm part. (laughs) (laughs) Just keep carrying keto on. There we go. There you go. All right. We'll see you next time on Two Keto Dudes.